chapter 3. And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, Rend your clothes and gird you with sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And King, and King David himself followed the bier, the coffin, if you would. And they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth. Thy hands were not bound, nor thy feet put into fetters. As a man falleth before wicked men, so fellest thou. And all the people wept again over him. When all the people came to cause David to eat meat while it was yet day, David sware, saying, So do God to me and more also, if I taste bread or aught else, till the sun be down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them as whatsoever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people in all Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to slay Abner, the son of Ner. The king said unto his servants, Know ye not that there is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? I want to read to you verse 33 as our text. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth. And this evening, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you on the title message, How to Live and How to Die. Let us pray. Reverend Hill, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger? Amen, amen. You may be seated. We have endeavored. I think every day we have invited those, uh, at least a couple people each day, and uh, been enjoying doing it too. Now, our 2023 90-day challenge, the entry level is 2023. 20 minutes of prayer, two invites, three chapters a day. If you're already at that level, and then we talked about leveling up, that would be 44 and 4. If you're already doing that, 40 minutes of prayer, four invites, four chapters, and you can go 55 and five. Wherever you're at, the whole purpose is let's go just a step higher. Amen? Just a step higher. Can you turn down the, uh, I need, I'll just take care of it that way. Uh, thank you. Amen. Good to be in church. Glad for everybody here this evening. A Bible reading, it's a sad portion of scripture. A man that had been David's enemy and had come over to David's side was slain by one of David's own men, Joab. Joab was jealous, had a personal vendetta against Abner, and when he got a chance, he fooled him, he tricked him, thinking that he was just going to be his friend, 
Joab called Abner to him. And when he did, Joab took a knife and killed Abner. This was a serious thing. It was not what the king had wanted. The king had welcomed Abner to his side. And what we read to you tonight is the response of King David. He's very clear and very open in his support for Abner. Very clear and very open that what had happened was not the king's will. And finally, at the end of, or in the middle of our soliloquy, David lamented and said, died Abner as a fool dieth? I want to ask you a question. What are you living for? What are you living for? How will you die? A man should strive to have his life mean something. We should not die for nothing. A man that dies on the battlefield dies with honor. He was fighting for a purpose, his country, to protect his fellow comrades, soldiers. A man that dies by taking his own life, well, he died without a meaning behind it. We don't minimize that. We'll, we'll get to it in a little bit more. We should not die for nothing, neither should we live for nothing. So those that choose ease and remove the pressing purpose for living from their life are reduced to a boring, unchallenging existence that neither betters their own life or anyone else's. In our modern age, we have created so many machines and computers that can do so much of the busy work of our life that we are granted more leisure hours now than ever before. And yet, because so many have lost their purpose for why they're on this earth, those leisure hours become hours of boredom, hours of giving themselves to the wrong things. With which, as I said earlier, neither betters themselves or anybody else's life because they've lost their purpose or their meaning. They are consumed with appearances and material fluff instead of what truly matters. They, as Jesus said, have forgotten the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith, and have obsessed over money and things. And here's the, the odd thing. If you serve God with all of your heart, God will make sure you are provided for. If you would, take a little. It was Viktor Frankl who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He was a, a Jewish psychiatrist, psychologist, I'm not sure. But he was there in Auschwitz during World War II. The odds of surviving Auschwitz weren't very high. Out of every 28 people that went there, 27 of them died. Viktor Frankl was one of the few, one of 28, percentage-wise, that survived. He often would share that he could tell when a soldier or a, a prisoner was going to die. 
they would just give up. They would lay there, no amount of kicks and, and uh, torture would rouse them out of their stupor. No, no offering of extra bread or anything like that. They had just chosen, chosen to give up. They had no purpose for living. Later on, after he had survived and he had gone on to uh, practice his psychiatry, he was in a place where a lady had just tried to commit suicide. She had two sons, one 11-year-old who had died by a tragic accident, and another son who was handicapped, unable to fend for himself, depended entirely upon his mother. And when the healthy son had died, the mother was so overcome with grief that she decided to take her life and the life of the handicapped son. But to her surprise... The handicapped son stopped her. He had a reason for living and a purpose, and he didn't want her to take her life either. And so as she recovered in the mental ward, Victor Frankel, then practicing psychiatry, happened to be there, and he asked some questions. Another lady was in the group, and he said, Now, ma'am, what if you find yourself as 80 years old, a millionaire, all the money that you want, but no children? No family. What would you say at the end of your life? She said, oh, well, I've had the finest of things to wear. I've got to travel wherever I wanted to go. I toyed with men. I teased and flirted with them. But I would have to say at the end of my life that it was a failure. There was no meaning to it. All the money in the world doesn't grant meaning and then he asked the woman who had tried to commit suicide, if you find yourself at 80 years old and you look back at your life, what would you say? And she thought for a moment. She said, well, I will have helped my son who was dependent upon me. And though he suffered, I will have made his life more fulfilling because of what I did for him. My life will have had meaning and I will consider it a success. You see, we have to understand we are not living just for ourselves. We are not living just for us. And if you lose sight of that and life just becomes paying the bills and, and getting the clothes and taking care of things, you lose sight of your greater purpose, your mission, your, your ministry for God, your life won't mean much. You'll squander it on sex, alcohol, feel good things, and it won't have much purpose. How do I find that purpose? Some might say, man, my life is hard, pastor. But it was one man who said, if you have a reason why, we can withstand almost any how. If I have a reason why I'm living, I can go through almost anything. If I understand, I've got somebody that are walking in my footsteps. And because they're watching me, I have a reason to stay clean and pure and walk close to God. If I understand, I, 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 recently I was around a minister and he was talking and he said, well, we have to remember why we came to St. Louis. I thought that was great. 
keeping that ministry, that, that, that main purpose and focus. We came to reach people for God. We came to do a job for God. And setting that job aside will not make your life more fulfilling. Setting that job aside or minimizing it won't make your life more exciting. If we look back, those of us who have been in the, in the military, we look back and we describe our military experiences, almost always you'll find those experiences that are highlighted in our mind were the hardest. You find people talking about, man, when we were in basic training and we didn't sleep much and they worked us so hard, or we were out in the field and, and we didn't get to shower for uh, two weeks and this happened and that happened, they didn't give us much food. Those were the things that are highlighted in their mind. And we become closer as a church, and we become more fulfilled as Christians, and we become uh, more, more uh, fulfilling in that, that greater purpose that God has for us when we're giving ourselves for another cause. A doctor who, his wife had died. He was suffering greatly, and he went to this psychiatrist, Mr. Frankel, and he said, I can't stand it anymore. He said, my wife and I were so close and she has died. It's been two years and I've suffered greatly because she's gone. I can't seem to pull myself out of this, this canyon. And he said, let me ask you a question. If, you're, if you had died before your wife, what do you think she would have gone through? And he said, oh, she would have suffered greatly. It would have been very difficult for her to, to continue living with me gone. And then he turned and said, well, maybe God allowed her to go first so that you would take her place and she would not have to suffer. And with that in his mind, he left that place with a new reason, a new purpose for going. Now his suffering had a reason. I think about that when we go soul winning and it's cold outside and you're knocking on doors and, and, you, and your, your knuckles may bleed or, or it's hot out in the summertime and they say, why in the world are you out here in this 110 degree weather? Or you're going from place to place and you say, you don't understand, my soul winning has purpose. My evangelism has purpose. It's not just an empty exercise. I'm not just laboring for a number, but there are people whose eternity is counting on me. Therefore, I can go. Therefore, I can sacrifice it. Therefore, I can lay down my life. Therefore, I can put other things that are not as important out so I can have that main purpose in life fulfilled. Cold or hot, difficult, the rejections, but we continue because our work has purpose. Not only are we building a church for Jesus in this city, but we're giving ourselves to the greatest cause a man or woman can have. And in giving ourselves for the cause of others, we become better. God uses our labors for him and as we care for others to become better ourselves. And it's an it's a unfailing paradox that when you focus on yourself, you become more rotten. You become more miserable. You become more bored and empty. But when you give yourself to somebody else, you find a satisfaction and a joy and a love. Because we are to live as Christ lived. And Christ didn't live for himself. He came with one purpose. He came to die for us. And the Bible teaches us that we who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the week. We ought to lay down our lives for others because that is the example that God gave. We ought to be living for another. Jesus came to die. 
You do no favors to yourself by sparing yourself from the work of evangelism. You rob yourself of meaning and purpose. You rob yourself of the joy and the energy of doing something for God. That is our reason for being. What will we say about Jesus' short life? Would you look at it and say, well, he never amounted to much financially. He didn't have any properties. He didn't have any 401K. He didn't have what the world would call a successful venture. But none of us would look at his life and say it was, it was worthless. Because he surrendered all, we are here today. Amen. And so I have to ask you, if you could have what you want, if you could become what you want, what would it be? And I hope, I hope tonight that maybe something that we shared would elevate your desire above just financial material fluff. I mean, after you have so much of it, after you've got food and you got clothes to wear and you got a warm place to live and, a, and even air conditioning in the summertime, how much more do we need? Amen? Thank God we're not against those who prosper. Thank God you can do more for God. But there's only so much food that you can eat in a day, only so many clothes you can wear in a day, only so many vehicles you can drive. Amen? So if you could have what you want, if you could become at the end of these 90 days, if you, if you say, man, here's what I would want to be in 90 days, what would it be? Wouldn't you want to say, man, at the end of these 90 days, I want to be closer to Jesus than I've ever been. At the end of these 90 days, I want to have won someone to God or influenced someone to come to the house of God. At the end of these 90 days, I want to be more godly. I want to, I want to encourage somebody else. I want to have made a difference. In somebody else's life, there must be something to shoot at. And the man or woman that loses their purpose or just relegates to their purpose to just material things, money and stuff, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. Because you have no reason. That's why those people who back in the 1980s when the stock market took a dive, they jumped out the window. Because their, their life was all about making money, and when their money was gone, they had nothing to sustain them. How should we find that purpose? Strive to bear up under the heaviest responsibility that you can voluntarily bear to become something. God didn't give us the energy and the strength, especially those who are young. You should say, I need to find a job to do for God. I need to find a purpose to fulfill for Him. I need to do something because that's what God created me to do. And when you find the heaviest burden you can bear, all the people that you can help, all the duties that you can do for God, you will find the greatest joy. You will find the greatest fulfillment. And almost universally, the people that are the most miserable are those who are all wrapped up in themselves. They've forgotten their purpose. They've forgotten their meaning. They've forgotten what God has created them for. Maybe we are facing suffering and difficulty because we have not yet accepted the heaviest responsibility that we could. And God doesn't want us to become dried up weaklings. So he allows difficulties to come our way and challenge us. But wouldn't it be better 
I remember Reverend Gazang, he's one of our Bible college teachers. And I remember as a Bible college student asking him about when the battles change. You know, as a new Christian, you have all these battles. You're fighting. You're, you're dealing with your unsaved family. You're trying to overcome these temptations. You're dealing with fighting the devil and, and all the futures. And, and I asked him, I said, is there a time where you overcome these battles? And he said, well, yes. But as you mature, the people that you're helping, their battles become your battles. And so now I find we find our fulfillment as mature Christians, not by just constantly worried about our little lives, because we've learned to cast that upon Jesus. He cares for us. Amen. And we've learned that we can find the greatest fulfillment in helping somebody else. How did, die, how did Abner die as a fool dies? He trusted the wrong purpose. He died without I'm sorry, he trusted the wrong person. He died without a purpose. What could it be if we sought out the hard jobs from God? I was reading this afternoon. I get a, uh, a missionary magazine. And I was reading about the various ones and all that they go through. And it just makes me sick sometimes. Because we are so blessed and we face hardly any opposition and any difficulties. And you read of them who, who are being killed. They gathered. Some of, this, some of these uh, uh, countries in Africa, there's an Islamist uh, group that is fighting against them. They'll go into some of these uh, little towns and they'll ask all the people to come to the middle. And they'll say, are you a Christian? And if they name Christ as, as their God, they'll behead them there. They'll burn down their houses and burn down their stuff. This goes on even now. And yet, you know what they said? They said, we don't need anything from you but your prayers. They weren't asking for our money. And you can look at the pictures and see they didn't have much. But they were asking for our prayers. And they said, would you pray? Would you pray? And story after story of these, these believers who had turned from Islam or had turned from Hinduism and turned from animism and become Christians. And when they did, their, their parents cut them off and, and they lost their jobs and they were homeless and all that stuff. All they had to do was recant Christ, but they couldn't do that because they had found something so much greater than what money could offer them. They had found the purpose greater than just living a job and, and earning money. But they said, I found Jesus. He found me. This is what I want to do. One young man who was a, a Muslim who had become a Christian, and in their country, he said all the Muslims either wear all white or all black, but he wears these bright colors, and he said, I do it because I know I'll stick out and somebody will ask me, and when they ask me, I'll begin to tell them about Jesus. And maybe, he said, I look forward to the day when many of them will come. And he said, I know persecution comes, but I'm not turning from it. The, the more I'm persecuted, the, the closer I get to Jesus. 
And you think about the mindset. He's saying welcoming the hardship, uh, welcoming the persecution. But the mindset of America is I need to get away from the difficulties. I need to choose things that are easy for me. I don't want to give up any time on my weekend. I don't want to spend any time going out for somebody else. It's all about me. And I wonder if God doesn't just vomit at our lukewarmness. And I wonder if God doesn't look down and say this is what I died for to make people so comfortable to sit on a pew and always be obsessed about themselves and their appearances and get uh, bent out of shape because somebody didn't honor them the way that they think they should be honored when God is the one that's to be lifted up, when Jesus is the one that we're to live for, when all this little petty junk should be cast aside and we should say, God, let the hard jobs come to me. Let the persecution come to me. If I can pick somebody up, if I can go soul winning, if I can lay down my life, let me do it because you did it for me. You did it for me. What about you? How are we going to live? I don't want to live for myself. And how are we going to die? I don't want to die without purpose. So today, heads bowed, eyes closed. Pastor, I'm looking for something more. I've been wondering why, wondering why my life has lost that zest and zeal. And today perhaps I see it's because I've been just focused on me. I want to be different. I want to be changed. So all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright that the whole world can see there's something different in me. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we want? If you're here tonight and you say, preacher, that's what I'm after. That's what God wants for me. Why don't you come? These altars are open. Why don't we come? Seek the face of God as we turn to him and ask God to do something in our hearts and in our souls. Come on.